Children cannot be left to be raised by themselves. They should not be left to be taught by people that obviously know nothing about God. Neither the TV, nor the radio, nor the internet, nor whatever other media should be teaching your children. This is one of those things that simply cannot remain unchecked. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. As part of today's sharing, we'll be talking about the danger of leaving certain things unchecked. There's too much to worry about in this world because there are too many things that can go wrong, even when we try our best. If we understand the world we live in, we can understand that this life is unpredictable and that control is an illusion. It is not really possible for us to know everything, but if we do what is necessary, and that is to look for the Lord and to trust in Him, then He will help us with everything in our lives. That's the only way to not leave important things unchecked. Today's message is based on the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 15, verses 1 to 14. Let us listen to what God's Word has to say about this. Let us pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, Blessed God, I praise you and I worship you, O Lord. Lord, for you are good, for you are merciful, and you are truly gracious. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, O Lord, that you please forgive my sins and my wrongs. Heavenly Father, uh, there's so much that still needs to change, and we need you in every moment, in every way. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Heavenly Father, that you may please guide us, that you may please speak to us, O Lord, that you may please, Heavenly Father, enlighten us through your Holy Spirit, and that you help us to be sensitive to you. We ask you all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Our scripture reading today can be found in the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 15, verses 1 to 14. This is the word of the Lord. After this had happened that Absalom provided himself with chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. Now Absalom would rise early and stand beside the way to the gate. So it was whenever anyone who had a lawsuit came to the king for a decision that Absalom would call to him and say, what city are you from? And he would say, your servant is from such and such a tribe of Israel. Then Absalom would say to him, look, your case is good and right, but there is no deputy of the king to hear you. Moreover, Absalom would say, Oh, that I were made judge in the land, and everyone who has any suit or cause would come to me, then I would give them justice. And so it was, whenever anyone came near to bow down to him, that he would put out his hand and take him and kiss him. In this manner, Absalom acted toward all Israel who came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. Now it came to pass after 40 years that Absalom said to the king, Please let me go to Hebron and pay the vow which I made to the Lord. For your servant took a vow while I dwelt in Geshur in Syria, saying, If the Lord indeed brings me back to Jerusalem, then I will serve the Lord. And the king said to him, Go in peace. So he arose and went to Hebron. Then Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, as soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then you shall say, Absalom reigns in Hebron. 
And with Absalom went 200 men invited from Jerusalem, and they went along innocently and did not know anything. Then Absalom sent for Aetophel, the Gilonite, David's counselor from his city, from Gilo, while he offered sacrifices. And the conspiracy grew strong, for the people with Absalom continually increased in number. Now a messenger came to David, saying, The hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. So David said to all his servants who were with him at Jerusalem, Arise, and let us flee, or we shall not escape from Absalom. Make haste to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring disaster upon us and strike the city with the edge of the sword. I can never say enough about just how valuable the word of God is to our lives. Everything that we could ever think of as being necessary in life is addressed somehow in the pages of the Bible. One of the many great values we find in God's complete counsel to us is that we have historical facts that clearly show the consequences of actions in the past. We can ultimately learn from other people's past and apply that experience to our lives. My mother said to me when I was a young teenager, John, if at all possible, try to learn from other people's mistakes so you can avoid making the same mistakes yourself. That has stayed with me all of these years. And it has helped me avoid a lot of heartache and unnecessary grief. And her words reflect the overarching message we are sharing today. As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 reinforces this very thought where it says, Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality, as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain, as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. And so... It is not a good idea first to think that you are somehow impervious to the errors others commit, that you are somehow the exception. This is one of the greatest downfalls in many people, that they think that they are smarter or stronger or just more special than others that have failed in the past. Many people have this thought in them. Well, it happened to them because they didn't know what they're doing, but I'm smarter than them. I know what I'm doing or something along those lines. That's why the Bible again warns us here where it says, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. In other words, don't think you're special. If that other person fell, stumbled, failed, whatever it may be, chances are if you commit the same mistake, you will probably fall, stumble, fail, and so on. So if we believe God's advice is good for us, then we should try to learn as much as possible through the experiences written in God's word. In a different passage, the Bible gives us the example about the fall of Babylon, where they fell just like others in the past because of their pride and wrongful ways. In Isaiah chapter 14, it says that you will take up this proverb against the king of Babylon and say, how the oppressor has ceased, the golden city ceased. The Lord has broken the staff of the wicked, the scepter of the rulers. He who struck the people in wrath with a continual stroke. He who ruled the nations in anger is persecuted and no one hinders. The whole earth is at rest and quiet. They break forth into singing. Indeed, the cypress trees rejoice over you and the cedars of Lebanon, saying, since you were cut down, no woodsman has come up against us. 
Hell from beneath is excited about you to meet you at your coming. It stirs up the dead for you, all the chief ones of the earth. It has raised up from their thrones all the kings of the nations. They all shall speak and say to you, Have you also become as weak as we? Have you become like us? Your pomp is brought down to Sheol, and the sound of your stringed instruments, the maggot is spread under you, and worms cover you. So no matter how mighty and powerful and invincible a person or a group of people think they are, if they challenge God in his ways, they will fall and fall horribly. They will not be the exception. There are never exceptions, especially when it comes to the things of God. This is what happens when very important things are left unchecked. And we need to understand that everything has consequences. And so coming back to today's story, David left some rather disturbing things unchecked. And they came back to haunt him to the point that even though he was a well-established king, he had to flee for his life from his own son's treason. If we go back a few chapters, the issue started when one of David's sons, Amnon, had fallen into some serious lust issues with one of his half-sisters, Tamar. If we do a very quick recap, Amnon feigned being sick so Tamar could be close to him and then he raped her. David, unfortunately, did not do anything regarding the issue. He just got upset and that was it. Her brother Absalom did not take too kindly to that. And he developed a plan where he ultimately killed Amnon. And then shortly after that, Absalom gained illusions of grandeur and decided to take over the kingdom through a slow and subtle process where David ultimately had to flee for his life. That's the quick version. But the main thing to see here is what happened? How could things have gone so wrong? Even though David was a very special man of God, he didn't always get it right. He had episodes in his life where certain things were missed. Like our message is titled today, he left certain things unchecked. In just a few chapters that span some years of history, we read that there was rape, murder, treason within David's children, such disorder that the king had to flee from his own son. How does that happen? Quite possibly one of the problems that David had was that he was not paying attention to his kids like he should have. It appears that these kids were left to their own devices. The most important and first commandment in the whole Bible gives us clear instruction on what should be the main priority of our lives, especially as parents, where it says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, the following, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words, which I command you today, shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This passage not only tells us to love the Lord with everything we are, but as parents, you are supposed to teach this very concept to your children and to do it when you sit down in your house and when you walk with them, when you lie down and when you wake up. It even says to write these words on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And so there should be this constant and consistent teaching of loving God to your children. And by constant and consistent, it is very easy to gather that you need to spend time with your children. Children cannot be left to be raised by themselves. They should not be left to be taught by people that obviously know nothing about God. Neither the TV, nor the radio, nor the internet, nor whatever other media should be teaching your children. This is one of those things that simply cannot remain unchecked. If you have children, 
You must be responsible in loving them and raising them in the love of the Lord, not necessarily in religious ways or in traditions. This is what appears to have gone wrong with David and his children. Now, if you teach your children on how to love God, not necessarily forcing them, but sharing with them and explaining to them the importance of the Lord in their lives, does that mean that everything will be perfect and that your little darlings will be safe and sound or perfect little angels? Not necessarily. Every single person needs to make their own decisions. But when you do your part, when you fulfill your responsibility, God is on your side. And quite frankly, your children will probably become more ready for that relationship with God they need so very much when the time comes, when they're able to make that decision on their own. Now, why is it important to have God on your side? Because the obvious is that there's a practical reason for why it is important and ultimately in our best interest to have the Lord on our side, if you will. Can we in fact be on top of everything? Not really. We're human and as human beings, we are very limited. No matter how hard we try, we can't avoid the reality that control is an illusion. And so when we apply God's principles to our lives, that does not imply control. It means that we are doing within our strength, within our limits, what is pleasing to the Lord. God does not expect for us to be superhuman. We can only do what we're able to do, and that's it. But that is what God wants. Some may ask, are you saying that we earn God's favor by doing good things instead of just depending on what Jesus did? From a certain point of view, yes. We can never be good enough or earn God's favor. Jesus Christ is essential to that. But when Christ is in our lives and we have surrendered our will to him, which is the requirement for following Jesus, then we should be doing what he tells us to do. Faith is nothing without obeying God. And if you don't apply God's principles to your life, then you might as well forget about the Bible and about Holy Spirit direction and so on. We need to stop the nonsense. We need to do what God tells us to do, and we need to seek his favor, and we need to show fruit in our lives. If you want to come up with excuses to disobey God and not to apply what he teaches you to do in his word, then lots of luck with that. But if you want to truly be blessed and have blessed lives and to gain through Jesus Christ eternal life and reward, then it is in our best interest to obey the Lord. It was true in the Old Testament, and it is true in the New Testament, and it will be true always, forever and ever. If you want children that seek after the Lord and to give them at least the opportunity to know what God is all about, then spend time with them. Raise them in the fear and the love of the Lord. Don't leave that to someone else. Don't leave them alone. And that goes for everything else, not just raising children. The only way that we don't leave things unchecked is by putting God first in our lives and learning to love Him with everything we are. And this brings us again to the why, to why it is so important to do as God says, to obey him. Let's go for a moment to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 to 17, where we're taught to take on God's armor, where it says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now, here is a very interesting detail that we need to look at for a bit. 
We just read about girding our waist with truth, putting on the breastplate of righteousness, putting on our feet the gospel, taking on the shield of faith, putting on the helmet of salvation, and finally, taking into our hand the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So it appears that we have frontal protection taken care of and even a weapon to fight with. But what about our back? It doesn't say anything about our back. And so our back is wide open. Why miss something as important as that? And for that answer, we need to look at another place in the scriptures. Isaiah chapter 58 says this starting on verse 1. Cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask for me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching God. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have seen not? Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? In fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exploit all your laborers. Indeed, you fast for strife and debate and to strike with the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Why you call this fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? Is this not the fast that I have chosen, to lose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out when you see the naked that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh? Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. This is really great instruction from the Lord. Quite frankly, if every Christian followed everything that is here, this world would be incredibly different. These are all things that we as believers should occupy ourselves with. And of course, the reason for why we should do these things is to honor the Lord we should love with everything we are. But if you go to the very last part that we just read, it says again, Then your light shall break forth like the morning, your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. And so if we do these things, the Lord himself will be our rear guard. God himself will watch and protect our backs. We need to put on his whole armor like we read in Ephesians. And we need to do these things we just read because they're pleasing to the Lord so that God will have our backs. And who can sneak by the almighty of the universe? Who would you rather have guarding your back than God himself? See how this all works? This is how we can ensure that we don't leave things unchecked because God will help us do what we need to do, what he would like for us to do, and he will protect us. And as we have read many times before, Romans chapter 8 says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. This is the greatest guarantee we could ever have, but we need to love God. When we love God, we're going to get things straight. We will know what we need to do. The Holy Spirit will guide you through the word of God so you can know the what and when and how of things should be. This life can never be perfect and following God and doing what he tells you to do will never ensure you a trouble-free life. That's impossible for now. But when we love the Lord and when we try to please him, 
We will gain eternal life and eternal reward and those things will never compare to anything this fallen and decaying world can ever offer. I urge you to love the Lord and never leave those things that are truly important before the Lord unchecked in your life. One of the main things we can never leave unchecked is our relationship with the Lord. We need to keep a very close and intimate relationship with Him. This relationship with the Lord can never start or be what it needs to be unless a person repents and converts from all of their sins and effectively makes Jesus the Lord of their life. Jesus needs to be the Lord, which means that you look to fulfill His will, to do what He tells you to do, to obey Him. It's not about you anymore, it's about Him. And when we seek after the Lord first, he will take care of everything else. Not in the sense that you just kick back and relax, but rather in the sense of guidance and promptings and warnings. God will guide you through His Holy Spirit and Word to do what is necessary and in every aspect of your life. And He will prompt you as needed and He will also warn you as needed. We can never keep track of everything on our own and we will more than likely not know what needs to be done in every situation. But God will help us with all of that. The practicality behind the relationship with God Almighty is that you have someone to completely rely on, depend on, and put your faith on, and He will guide you and help you accordingly. That's the best way of not leaving important things unchecked in your life. Let us pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, I praise you, God, and I worship you for your goodness. I give you thanks, O Lord, because your desire is to be there for us. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks because you allow for us to depend on you. Lord, we need you. We're nothing without you. I am nothing without you. I can do nothing without you, Heavenly Father. Lord, uh, I just pray for your mercy and for your grace. Help us, O Lord, to understand as a group and individually that we need to look for you. We need to trust in you. And we need to be careful with everything that's around in our lives. Help us, first of all, never to leave our relationship with you unchecked. That we need to spend time with you. We need to seek you out, Lord God. We need to fear you. And to keep in mind that you are looking at everything, Heavenly Father. And help us, O oh Lord, to keep in mind all of those things that are important before you. Heavenly Father, you teach us in your word that we need to love you above all things and that we need to love our neighbor and ourselves. Heavenly Father, help us to understand that we, the things that we need to do, the things that we need to keep our eyes on, and that we can't just let things just be, Lord God. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person that's listening. I pray for every family that is having troubles because every single family has problems, Lord God. We all have our challenges, we all have our issues. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that your love that your Holy Spirit, that your mercy, and that your guidance may be with each of our families, Heavenly Father. Help us to seek you first and to understand that all the answers are in you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The 
Latter-Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.